On today's episode of the Locked On NHL Prospects podcast, we have a very, very interesting announcing co- announcement coming on, uh, and we're going to be talking about the draft hall of the Atlantic Division for starters. We're going to go through the entire NHL, but we'll go through it division by division, all coming up on Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On NHL Prospects podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh and I'm joined by our new co-host who's going to be joining the podcast full time, Sebastian High. Uh, Sebastian's a great friend of mine. We've been working for a while together at Dauber Prospects. We lead the scouting team together. Uh, so I thought he would be a fantastic add to the scouting team. So how are you doing, Sebastian? I'm doing great. I mean, the last couple of months have been a bit hectic, but I'm I'm very excited to get started on this now and finally have some time and energy to put into it. And yeah, I mean, looking forward to getting a full-on prospects podcast really going now. And absolutely couldn't be happier than to be doing it with you. So it's gonna be good. For sure. So let's get this started. Now, we wanted to talk to you about the Atlantic division for starters. We're just gonna go through the entire NHL's uh draft halls and kind of break down what Every team's getting in this draft based on the guys we've watched. Now, obviously, we, you know, both of us aren't able to cover 500 prospects together. So there's exactly. a list of guys we just haven't watched. So we'll just glean over the guys that we know and that we've watched a bit. Uh, and we'll start off with the Boston Bruins and work our way up to the Toronto Maple Leafs alphabetically to, through the Atlantic Division for this episode. So before we get into it, just make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and to follow along on your favorite podcasting program. Uh, if you're listening to this, whether that's Spotify, Odyssey, even SiriusXM now, or any of these platforms, uh, just make sure you follow along and make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So let's get into Boston's Hall. Now, they didn't have either a first round or a second round pick. So at this range, it's kind of difficult to pick up some high-value guys. Chris Pelosi was their first pick off the board at 92, and I've watched a couple games in passing, but I haven't really focused on him. He's always kind of struck me as a decent net front presence, but I had trouble seeing a lot more out of his uh, kind of profile. But at 124th overall, I think this is a great value pick in Beckett Hendrickson. Um, now, I've loved his playmaking, but um, is there, you know, give us a rundown on, on what you think of Hendrickson on your end. I mean, I think the playmaking and the playmaking rate especially are really impressive. He yeah. sends a lot of pucks to the slot. I think one criticism I would have of, of his style is that he kind of just defaults to just like sending pucks into space in the slot, which is not the worst habit to have, but it's not necessarily always calculated. Um, mm-hmm. And he just can do it by default. I don't, I'm not quite sure how, how fast the processor is uh, with Hendrickson at the same time. He's bringing up amazing playmaking metrics and and results as well in a very depth role with the NTDP. And I'm curious to see what a bigger opportunity might look like for him because I had some viewings that were quite solid with Hendrickson and others that were more pedestrian. But at the same time, this is my favorite pick uh, from the Boston Bruins draft class. I think he, he's, he has the best shot of making the NHL and mm-hmm. If he makes it, I can maybe see a bottom six playmaking role, uh, which is not all bad value at, at 124. 100%. It reminds me a bit of uh, early viewings of uh, Riley Kidney, 
Um, just a peripheral playmaking game, the, the tendency to throw pucks at the slot without much uh, focus or thought process. But when you kind of hone in on the variety of passes he has, when you hone in on um, the the ability to delay the play just slightly and and find second or third passing lanes, it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's just, again, just very peripheral uh, from what I've seen in this game. So, yeah, no, Hendrickson at 124 is decent value. After that, it's a bunch of guys, uh, you know, guys who had trouble kind of keeping our eye on because again there's so many prospects that could go in the draft that you can only kind of limit your viewings to the ones you're interested in uh any of these guys will walsh nasson or, or costa didn't see that you've watched at all or really not i think i watched walsh in passing once but it could have been a, like i don't it, it was a fine view i guess but it was passing it was i wasn't focusing on him and he was not the player i was really zoning in on in that viewing um yeah. And again, Boston likes to go a bit off the board uh, with their picks. They, they like picking players from around Massachusetts area, uh, which they didn't do as much as I expected to this year. But yeah, we'll see how they age. Uh, but they, it wasn't the strongest of draft class, even with like weaker picks. Uh, at the same time, I think mm-hmm. they got they got decent value for the first round pick that they traded. So eh, could be could be worse. Absolutely. So let's move on to Buffalo. Uh, a lot more to say about Buffalo. Now, that pick at 13th overall, man, I would have taken him at fifth uh, I if I were the Habs. But, man, 13th overall, and he's going to a team that knows him well, that's seen him play a lot, yeah. having scouted Matt Savoy uh, in, in the Buffalo Sabres. It's Zach Benson. And Benson is, for me, a top four, top five player out of this class. Every time I've talked about him, I just rave about the playmaking ability, the two-way ability, the intensity. Intelligence. He's just He's one of the smartest. So he smart. might be the smartest player in the draft, right? He's like, up there. He, he's really, really close. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I was at the draft in Nashville, fortunately enough, and had an absolute blast. And uh, basically the entire public scouting area cheered when Zach Benson was picked. And yeah. you're all, you also know he's going to an organization that values him. And ooh, mm-hmm. Buffalo Buffalo's looking dangerous. I mean... Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't want to be a different Atlantic team moving forward in the next 10 years because I don't think any other team is trending as well as Buffalo is. And, uh, yeah, look, Zach Benson was fifth on my board. Uh, he is an elite-level playmaker. He's an elite defensive player, elite intensity, elite intelligence, elite most things. And, <laughs> look, he's not the greatest skater, but he doesn't need to be because the way he plays the game stylistically – as an off puck like person who's constantly, constantly like scanning the ice a little bit like Shane Wright was last year, where mm-hmm. perhaps not like he's more dynamic than Wright was last year, mm-hmm. but kind of down the similar lane where a lot of his work is off puck and uh, yep. he can, he can draw players out to create space for teammates. He makes everyone around him better mm-hmm. uh, pretty consistently over the last two years. Whenever I watched the Winnipeg ice play, their best line was wherever Benson was playing. And yeah. it didn't matter who his line mates were like it, it usually it really doesn't. And, yeah. And he's, he's a really special player. And I think it's really fun that him and Savoy are in the same organization. Now I think <laughs> Savoy is always at his best when playing with Benson because every player is at their best playing with Benson. He just, and, he just lifts the level of everyone he's playing with. It's, it's really just fantastic to me that, that he was, it, it's astounding. It's astounding to me that it was available at 13th. Uh, but listen, I was like, I was expecting are. it, but it, it yeah. shouldn't have happened. Like it shouldn't no, happen, course. but 
Yeah. And no, absolutely. And, and I mean, their draft continued really well beyond that. I, they picked one of my personal favorites in this draft class at 39, Anton Wahlberg, uh, who, boy, yep. who was a late riser uh, for, for a lot of people, especially because his J20 tape wasn't the greatest. But when he was in the SHL, it was really impressive with with Malmer, and he he uh, at his best uh, is quite dominant. He he is a really fluid skater. He's yeah. incredibly powerful and strong. He can drive the middle lane. And he's a great handler. So at his best, he's a freight train, but quite fluid freight train, which is a nice yeah. combination. And I think he'll learn a lot from Tage Thompson in mm. terms of how to best leverage that that toolkit. It's not not making a stylistic comparison necessarily. I think they're quite different. Uh, and and but but Valberg is a could be a power forward goal scoring player, either left wing or at center. I'd probably give it a, a 70% chance is on the wing, but there's still a chance for him to be playing down the middle. And yeah, item ranked, I think like 32nd overall. He's one of my, my personal favorites. Uh every time I watched him play, I enjoyed it, had a great time. I thought his his U18 performance was underrated. Uh, he's on the second he's on the second line, but he was the PP1 bumper, and he's a really effective bumper. He knows how to use his weight to create some space for himself. His release yep. is really really powerful. Like I think his release is top twenty in the class. It's it's one of the stronger ones, mm-hmm. and yeah, he's he's a ton of fun. I think yeah. I think Valberg is is a great pick, a great swing at thirty nine. And yeah, like I think those might my, my two favorite picks from the Buffalo class, but mm-hmm. there are other names in there that are also quite good, like Maxime Sturbach, who yep. I think you you quite liked his his mobility, right? If I remember yeah, correctly. I mean he's one of the he, he's a really surprisingly smart shutdown defenseman. Usually your shutdown defensemen are really glassing out, really simplistic. Yeah. He likes to complicate a play from time to time. Now you're most likely just getting a shutdown defenseman out of him, but he's decent on his skates. He's decently smart. He's able to make a first pass out of his own. I like the value at 45, especially for a team that's desperately looking for shutdown defensemen. Um and then Gavin McCarthy's kind of in the same mold, but a tiny bit different. Um, but really, those are two kind of stylistically similar players. But yeah, this is a great haul, especially in the, in the top three rounds for, for Buffalo. Um, but now moving on to our last team from the first segment, we've got the Detroit Red Wings. Now, the first two picks I would have flipped and been okay with. I mean, Axel Sanding Pelica should not have gone as low as 17th, but Nate Danielson shouldn't have gone as high as 9th. So just your thoughts on the value that the, the Red Wings are getting in those two picks. I mean, ASP is the best offensive defenseman in this draft class. So I yep. think getting him at 17 is really impressive. Uh, he is he, he's, he's quite projectable as well as an offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. He, has, he has all the tools and the intelligence to support his style of play in the NHL. And uh, the defensive habits need some fine-tuning. I think his transition defending is quite hit or miss. But with refinement, I think he'll be fine. And Detroit develops their their Swedish draft picks exceptionally well uh so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that ASP is going to turn out quite well Danielson at nine I think makes a lot less sense for Detroit than it would have for other teams like other teams that may have been more in need of a center but the Red Wings already have Marco Casper from last year who is progressing very very nicely but projects slightly better but similarly to Danielson and what they do lack is that elite offensive talent. And at nine, if, 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 if I were in their shoes, I would have either swung on the top talent available, which was Zach Benson, who we don't have to talk about anymore because he's awesome. <laughs> and we already went through that. Uh, 
but or they could have flipped the pick, maybe get an Alex to bring it. I think that's what I would have been seeking to do with that draft selection. And yeah. Danielson is a really, really good player. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be a transition monster. He's really quick. He needs to add some more lateral movement in, into his rushes to be a bit more effective and projectable. But he he grew his playmaking game this season. He started shooting a lot more. And he's a good shot. He's solid defensively. He's very reliable. But the Red Wings already picked a reliable, well-rounded centerman at, what, seven or six last year with Casper. Yep. And this is this is higher than I would have felt comfortable picking Danielson. I think I had him ranked around like the 23 range. Yeah. Um, and for a different team with no center depth, it could make sense. But the wings just aren't that team, I don't think. No, for sure. And then you've got a kind of uh, a glut of players at in the second round that you pick pretty much in a row. Uh, Trey Augustine, 41st, great awesome pick, pick. For me, the best goalie in the draft. I agree, fully agree. Then you got Andrew Gibson, who's one of the most simplistic players in this draft. Not not one I would have gone with in this range. I wouldn't uh, have picked him in the draft, I don't think. I, <laughs> I, I I had some rough viewings of Gibson. So there could always be a sample issue because again, we can't we can't watch every game. I think I had I think I logged four viewings of Gibson in the end, and most yeah. of those were in the first half of the year when I was still the OHL scout at Dauber. Yeah. But uh yeah, I a mid-second round draft pick in this draft class when there was still a lot of talent on the board. Guys like Riley Height, Grayson Souchin, Jaden Perron. Andrew Crisol. It's didn't Crisol I think Crisol went went 40 and Gibson was, Oh, did he? Yeah. He went yeah, ended awesome. up a, bit, a bit higher than 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 we thought. But <laughs> but there was a lot of talent left on the board. And I think best case scenario with Gibson is you get a bottom pairing physical presence, which is good, but even if he develops perfectly, you might be able to flip him for a second round draft pick. So mm -hmm. it, in terms of value, it's not another player I personally would have selected. Uh, mm -hmm. And Brady Cleveland is a better version of Gibson. Uh, but I, I think he has some similar limitations as well. Yeah, no, exactly. And then you got Noah Dover, Linton Nielsen, who for me is a high like, kind of upside swing. At The, at, the production's uh, awesome. Yeah. The and, viewings were not. I, yeah, I think, no, that's the thing. Our entire Dauber team was on the same page there. Whenever we were talking about Dauber Nielsen this, this season, it was always a thing of like, the production's up here. And it was better than Otto Stenberg's. And yeah. Stenberg is a very good player, deserving of the first round selection he got. Yeah. And Dauber Nielsen is, I don't know, he's he's very simple. And he's a very good junior player. I just, I, I don't see how he projects as a a, a high production professional guy. But I'm curious to see how he does in professional hockey, I assume, this season uh, to, to see how he projects. But in the third round, I can understand swing on the produ on the production, but not the swing I personally would have taken. No, for and, sure. And Larry, Larry Keenan is a, another big swing. Uh, he's super raw. He's a big maybe. Like, look, it's a prep school hockey guy. I would have I would have gone with a different defense, maybe like Francesco Del Elce or... Um, Who went I mean, undrafted, by the way? <laughs> which like, he shouldn't have. He really yeah. shouldn't have. I, I was, really yeah. Good. It was, it was unfortunate. I think, I think he's definitely good enough to have earned a pick. But I think, as a whole, Detroit did, did okay at the draft. Uh, my one concern moving forward with them is that I think they're going to have like ten middle six forwards, and yeah. you can't pay all of them, and you can't have a great first line with that either. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see how it how it goes. But I I think they could have taken a bit of a bigger swing at nine. For sure. But first, let's talk about our sponsors at FanDuel. 
Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first betting amount back in free bets, up to $200. That's $200 in free bonus bets that you can use on anything, ranging from money line to over and under, or even who you think is going to swing the very first home run in the game. All on an app that's safe, secure, easy to use, but most of all, you get your winnings instantly. There's no better place uh, to bet MLB than on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get two up to $200 in free bonus bets. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Now moving on to Florida. Florida had a decent pick, a d- decent uh, draft haul for the picks that they have. No, no first rounder, no third rounder. But in my opinion, they got first round value, and that's in that late second round with that sixty third overall pick, uh, with Grayson Sachin going to them uh, from the Seattle Thunderbirds. He was kind of really kind of dug into a deep lineup. He was having trouble getting into the top six and getting regular minutes and, and decent viewings. But once you focus in on his skill set, it's just so obvious, the intensity, the awareness, the, the um, handling, the, the, the handling, handling is, is top 10 in the class. It's really yeah. impressive. And it's, it's a really high upside swing. And yeah. especially if like in four years time, when he makes the NHL, he can mm-hmm. play in the same lineup as a Matthew Kachuk. I think in terms of like that, that same intensity, that 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 ferocity, that'll mm-hmm. be a lot of fun to watch. And absolutely, uh, I, I, w- I was sitting uh, right in front of JD Burke and Ken Robinson at the draft, and uh, mm-hmm. let's just say they were happy to see that 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 the EP boy Grayson Souchin, who and they've been pumping his tires all year. I think they, they ranked him like what fourteenth overall. Thirteenth, yeah, 13th. that was high. They they love they love Souchin and uh, yeah. big smiles on their faces when he was selected. No, absolutely. Albert Vickman was one guy who we had on our board at Dauber. I like he's him. decent. He's decent, but he's I He's mobile. Just... He's a good yeah. passer. He has some tools to work around there, I think. Like, yeah. if you can try to mold him into, like, a Brett Kulak style of guy where you use that mobility and transition effectiveness where perhaps the offensive upside isn't the absolute highest, but mm-hmm. you work on that defensive and transition game to maybe become a decent number five defenseman. I can see it, and I think I, like I think it's really good value at one twenty seven. That was a selection that I liked quite a bit, but mm-hmm. I also know I was I think I was the highest on Vickman uh, at Dauber. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And and one last guy I'd mention is Luke Coughlin. For me, was a really good pick at one hundred ninety first. He's one guy that I had in kind of my borderline top one hundred, and I really like the mobility on him, the transition ability. He's very raw, very kind of underdeveloped, and needs to work on his decision making for sure, but. The mobility, the transition ability, and the way that he uses his gap control uh, to defend a rush is decent enough that, like Vickman, you have tools to work around. But I feel like, you know, at 191st, the risk is even more, you know, yeah. mitigated than at 127th. The talent He's so shifty. Board, He's he really, really shifty. And I, I think his processor is, is quick enough to, to kind of work with that in a professional yeah. setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's a long shot for the NHL, but you're picking at what, like... In the in the late hundreds, so <laughs> you could do a whole lot worse than Luke Coughlin. Yeah, and then moving on finally to Montreal. Now we've got a lot to say about this. David Reinbacher at five was not my pick. I had him pick. I had him sixteenth overall. Me too. The third, the third defender in my uh, rankings behind Axel Sandipelka and Dmitry Simashev. Right after, I had him fourth. I had Volander at fifteen in the end. Oh wow! 
Yeah. Okay. But no, see, see, the thing is with Reinbacher is you're you're getting such a solid defenseman, such a surefire second pair defenseman. I have trouble seeing him become anything more, but he's almost certainly going to become a second pair guy. I'd say at most a number two. For me, there's an asterisk there because on paper, Reinbacher mm-hmm. is the perfect stylistic fit for Lane Hudson. On paper. Yeah. Absolutely. In my mind, you don't draft for stylistic fits on paper because it could go awry. Yep. But it could work. And if it if it does, if it works as well as I think it could, mm-hmm. then maybe you get a, fir- like a like a solid first pairing. Maybe. I think it's a long shot. It wouldn't be, yep. have been the bet that I would have taken. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think we have to acknowledge like the backlash that 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 he has gotten personally for this draft pick is obscene. It's awful. It's it's yeah. it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. At the draft, it was is also I had a ni- nice little moment where I was in the media section and Reinbacher came by and I was able to congratulate him on the pick in German. I, I speak mm-hmm. German fluently and German is his native language, so that was that was a nice little moment. And yeah, I look Reinbacher is a a very good skater. I think the handling really needs some work. Uh, if I'm the Habs, I'm focusing on the handling and I'm focusing on the offensive creativity. If yeah. you can get his creativity up a notch, his passing ability and mechanics are strong enough to create a playmaking game from that. Yeah. And if you can and then you build get the hands the handling, from there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I think I think those would be the, like the two key points that I would be really, really working on because I think those are the two things that could unlock that top pairing potential. Uh, but I'm very curious to see how the Habs go about his development. I would mm-hmm. definitely give him at least one more year in Switzerland. I would sure. love to see him just dominate the NL for a season because mm-hmm. he was very good this year. And being very good as an 18-year-old in a decent enough professional league is awesome. Mm-hmm. But one dominant season would be would do s- such wonders for his confidence as well. Yeah, and that's one big thing that needs to develop is just the confidence to make those plays on top of the creativity to, of course. to see them to begin with. you got Jacob, Jacob Fowler at 69th, which great isn't pick. too bad. It's a great I, pick. I love it. I love I, it. I like, the Habs especially. Yeah, no, I like the value they're getting here. I had him in the 50s, so I, I, I like the the kind of profile that he brings. Um, but then after that, it, it's just it's on and off. I have heard rumblings that the Bogdan Konyushkov pick has been really loved by uh, scouts much. and different. Yeah. Like, other than I, that, I, mean, though, I, I, was, I was at the draft. I had some nice conversations with with some public and NHL scouts alike, and Konyushkov is is probably the player that I have yet to scout that everyone was joint the highest on he's a two-time overager but putting up like over half a point of game production in the khl and top pairing minutes as an undersized defenseman Mm -hmm. and from what i've heard from people that 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 track data uh apparently his transition metrics in terms of exits are elite for the khl so there's a lot to work around there and i know some teams were uh very disappointed that he didn't fall to like the fifth or sixth round where they wanted to to take that high value swing uh, so that that's one where I have some hope, but I've yet to actually watch him. So I can't. Again, the Habs picked a lot of guys that were not on our radars, and uh, <laughs> that's maybe the one weakness of me and Hattie doing this together is that the Dauber radar is kind of one thing. So mm-hmm. there aren't many players that one of us has watched that the other hasn't. Yeah. Uh, but Quentin Miller, I've also heard good things. Uh, a couple teams had him as their second highest ranked goalie in the, in the draft class. He just wow. he, he only played 20 games this season and he did very well. He was very consistent with Quebec, but it was an elite team and only 20 games. And it's it's kind of tough to evaluate that. Uh at the same time, you can do a whole lot worse than swinging on save percentage. And the Habs did that three times over on the goalies. And 
while Fowler is the only one that I personally would have selected in this class. And I do think he was an awesome pick at 69. And especially if he was their top ranked goalie, like even better. But apart from that, look, Luke Middlestat deserved a selection. Like he, he, he deserved yeah. a pick. Like he, he'd been passed over twice already or three times he, uh, twice. Yeah. Twice. And, uh, he deserved a selection. I'm, I'm not sure of the upside beyond a number six defenseman, but if you get even a borderline NHL piece with a seventh round pick, you're doing decently well. So Got as it. a whole, I think it's like, it's, it's, it's the most controversial class uh, in the NHL in this draft and uh, we'll see how it ages, but there are definitely some eyebrow raising picks in there. Oh, for sure. This has been, this was a weird draft for the Habs, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, and then finally, we'll we'll break uh, things down for Ottawa, Tampa, and Toronto right after these messages. Uh, just a quick word from our sponsors first and foremost. All right, so moving on to Ottawa for the breakdown of the draft halls from the Atlantic Division. Uh, now, I I see a couple guys who I like at fourth and uh, in the fourth and fifth rounds. Uh, Hoyt Stanley's decent, very very raw, uh, playing for the Grizzlies in the BCHL. I like some of his offensive elements i haven't seen much from him defensively that makes me want to scream wow this is a great pick um but matthew andanovsky for me is one guy who i always thought was kind of underrated in in kitchener really liked the defensive involvement really liked the physicality the grit that he brings uh but isn't kind of a grit exclusive player like we see a lot with that kind of profile he's got some very raw but noticeable flashes of playmaking ability given goes from the high point uh, some stuff like that, that for a defenseman, you really like to see. Uh, so I, I like those two guys. I don't know if you've watched a, a bunch of Andonovsky or, or what your thoughts are on him, but yeah. Only in passing, right? Like, like mm-hmm. when, when I've watched like Bruce Davids or, 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 or Meshar, like I've, I've, I've seen him play, um, Rakoff as well, but, mm-hmm. uh, Hoyt Stanley's the one pick that I find kind of fun here. I think, I think 108 was a little bit high maybe, uh, mm-hmm. with the players left, left on the board because he is extremely raw. Uh, but the basis of mobility and handling and the flashes of playmaking, and I want to put emphasis on flashes because yeah. they're rather rare in the BCHL setting, which is not necessarily the most projectable thing. Yeah. However, there is a basis there. And I think there weren't that many players available past 108 that have second pairing upside. And yeah. Boyd Stanley has that upside. I just, the likelihood of him hitting it is perhaps smaller but hey, it's a fun pick, and and the, I'm not really used to the Sens making like really fun, like like really fun swings, and this is a very fun swing. So yeah. if I'm a Sens fan, I'm intrigued by this. I think I'm curious how they develop him, but there's potential, and uh, that's more than I could say for some other previous Sens selections in past drafts. <laughs> We know that. Now, moving on to Tampa Bay, who seemingly seems to trade all of their picks every year, uh, had a second, fourth, sixth, and two seventh-round picks. You're going to um, love that, that that first pick, huh? Oh, man. I, <laughs> He's it, a great fit in Tampa. Exactly. And on top of that, he was uh, that pick 37th overall was yeah. was formerly the Habs pick. So It was Ethan formerly Gauthier. the Habs pick, which stings a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. But Ethan Goche for me is just a fantastic line glue player. He's probably the ultimate line glue player out of this out of this draft. Any line you put him on, he's going to elevate his line mates. He's never going to be the scoring leader on his, on his line, but everything he does just makes his teammates' jobs so much easier. The amount of off-puck assists 
they provide stuff like just you know dri driving the net when he's got a defender on his back and he knows that that defender is going to follow him just opening up some ice for his teammates to play cross ice passes um you know stopping in front of the net playing a net front roll uh you know screening goalie and then jumping on rebounds really quickly in order to circulate pucks and keep plays alive um, there's a lot of the things he does that keep plays alive in the offensive zone. And that's what I like to see for me. He was first round value. So for the, the lightning to get him at 37th, like I said, he's never going to be a, a top liner or if he is, it's going to be in a very, very complimentary role. Maybe um, Zach Hyman. Like if you're really pushing upper limits and yeah, maybe me more like Toronto Hyman rather than Edmonton Hyman, because absolutely playing with McDavid. It It'll everything. elevate any person's of skill course. set. Absolutely. And I mean, look, you, you were a lot higher on Goatee than I was for most of the season, but I came I came around in the end. In the end, I think I had him like I think I ranked him like around thirty seven as well. Uh, so this is a, a totally great value selection, I think. And I think Tampa is one of the best landing spots where he could have gone because they already have their superstars, and yep. I think like Braden Point's still gonna be playing for quite a while, and. Ethan Gutzi is the type of player who, again, as you said, he can play on any line. You can plug him in if there's an injury anywhere. And he's very intelligent. And mm -hmm. that combination of intent of intensity and intelligence and look, he's pretty much a dual threat as well in terms of playmaking and and, and goal scoring. I think his playmaking yeah. has a higher ceiling than, than the goal scoring does, but his, and, his release and, is decently yeah. heavy. There's a lot to work with. And and mm -hmm. the lightning uh routinely make players that project as just like third liners into really great complimentary top six pieces. And I think Gochi is right up that alley. Absolutely. And here's the thing is with Gochi is none of his skill set jumps off at you in terms of, you know, his shots, not the heaviest or the most accurate, like a Colby Barlow's his playmaking isn't anywhere near Zach Benson's kind of big galaxy brain level, but he just, everything he does, he does so efficiently that he doesn't need the high, the highest velocity shot or the most, you know, wide variety of passes. He can just pull things off regularly that other players can't. So I love this pick at 37. After that, you got Jason Shagabe, who's decent value at, at 150. It's a, it's a swing. It's, a it's swing definitely upside. a swing. He's yeah. very After raw as well. This is mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I, I, I loved his high school tape this year, the USHL yeah. tape. I had a bit more question, a few more questions than with other players, like yeah. like Gavin Thorson, who went undrafted. I would have taken this swing on ahead of Shagabe. Yeah. At the same time, if there's any team that can develop a, like the raw skill that is Jason Shagabe, it is Tampa. And Absolutely. It's a decent enough pick. But the one that I was very happy to see was Jack Harvey getting picked. I was going to say this is a great pick. He, he's deserved a, a pick like the last, like last year he definitely should have gotten picked and he didn't. Mm -hmm. And the production in Chicago was absurd this year because of course it was. He was a twenty-year-old playing the USHL, mm -hmm. but he's off to BU, which is, I mean, a program that's getting absolutely pumped full of skill. And yep. I think that will benefit him a ton. Uh, I can see him like pro like projecting to the NCAA decently well, like. If, if a Jeremy Wilmer can project to the NCAA, I think Jack Harvey can as well. Yeah. And that was a fun little pick for sure. Absolutely. And then we'll close things off with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not much to talk about here. They literally had three picks in the draft, uh, including the 28th overall selection, with which they kind of went for a reach with Easton Cowan. I like I, him. I celebrated when they picked him. I did I, you? I, I had a good time. Again, at the draft, I was like, I, I was, I was. I wasn't really there as like a half set. I was there as a scout and yeah. I was like, I want the guys that I love to go high. And I, mm -hmm. I adore Easton Cowan. Would That's I have fine. picked him at 28? No, 
Am I happy he was in the first round? Very much so. Like, he deserves it. He's the hardest working player in the entire OHL. Uh, absolute motor. And my comparable for him this entire season has been Michael Bunting. So the fact that they drafted him while losing Michael Bunting to Carolina in free agency, I think, is poetic in a sense. And yeah. they can they can develop him from the get-go into that role. And I think he's he'd be very complimentary to a top six type of, of role alongside elite players if they can really get his toolkit to to take a couple steps. The yeah. playmaking is raw, but it's really fun. It's one really touch playmaking fun, yeah. game. There were some really bright flashes this year, especially him together with, with Denver Barkey. That was a lovely combination. And mm-hmm. I the pick brought me joy, even if it wasn't the pick that I personally would have made in this spot. Yeah. And Hudson Malinowski is another guy that I kind of like. I, I I didn't rank him, but he deserved a pick and Look, Toronto drafts very, very well. Their issue is not having enough draft picks. So yeah. I have no issue with this draft class. I think at 28, I probably would have swung on someone else uh, with perhaps a high, higher upside. If it's an, a Gavin Brindley or an Andrew Crystal or Jaden Perron. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're getting a player that, I mean, I'm sure they adore him as a person, yeah. judging by the way he plays on the ice. And uh yeah, I, I think every public scout that has watched him felt a little bit of joy to see him pick in the first round because absolutely. he deserves it on effort alone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that wraps things up for our breakdown of the Atlantic Division's draft hall. Uh, real quick, who are your winners of the Atlantic Division in terms of draft hall? Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo for sure, right? I, I, I ben- certainly agree. Yeah. Look, honestly, look, they made some nice depth picks. I think Scott Ratzlaff was, was a decent swing on a goalie. I mean, he didn't play enough this season, to be sure, but that could then be a pick that ages very, very nicely. Absolutely. And, but it doesn't matter. If you if you land Zach Benson and Anton Wahlberg at 13 and 39, I think your draft is good. The rest golden. of your draft is fine. Doesn't exactly. Matter. You're more exactly. than good. It's great. Uh, but yeah, no, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out the Locked On NHL Mock Draft Special. Our our hosts from every uh, organization came together and made picks for the first round. And myself and Gil Martin reacted to things on Locked On NHL's uh website uh and and channel and we did a great job of breaking that down we also talked to every single of them and made sure to give you a rundown of what the player plays like what they're good at what they're bad at all that stuff so make sure to check that out um so this has been hattie kalakesh and our new co-host sebastian hi uh we're looking forward to see you next time